Welcome to Friday Friends, RI Elder Info's weekly look at the organizations and individuals providing resources for Rhode Island seniors, caregivers, and professionals. That intro always makes me kind of dance while I'm backstage waiting to come on here live. So happy Friday, everybody. It is nine o'clock on Friday and you are listening to Deb Burton, Executive Director of RI Elder Info. And this is our weekly streaming podcast called Friday Friends, where we interview organizations and individuals that are doing things that you or someone you know needs to know about. So make sure you hit the like button, the share button, all those social media cues that say, hey, check this out. We're talking with a great organization today that are doing some really amazing things that need more people to be aware of because the need for their services is growing. Now, as you all know, RI Elder Info is a 501c3 nonprofit And we could not do Friday Friends without the support of our sponsors. So I want to give a big shout out to Point32 Health Foundation, United Health and Neighborhood Health, Oak Street Health, 321 Media and England Studio, as well as all of our individual donors. We could not bring this information to you without all of their support. So big thank you. So without further ado, I would like to invite Chris Butler, the Executive Director of Insight. Hi, Hi, Chris. How are you? Very good, very good. So please share with everyone, what is Insight and what is your role there? Sure, I'm the Executive Director at Insight. We are a nonprofit agency located in Warwick, Rhode Island. And we provide services to folks who are visually impaired and blind, as well as their family, friends, and caregivers. Um, So we help people figure out how to remain independent and confident and do all the things they want to do in spite of their visual impairment. And is this for somebody who was born with a visual impairment, or could it be for folks who have acquired a visual impairment? What are your criteria? Sure. It is uh, both. So the one thing that I love about Insight more than anything is that there's no restrictions on who we can serve. So there are a lot of programs and agencies where you have to meet certain income eligibility guidelines or age or, you know, in the case of vision, certain acuity levels have a certain level of vision loss. At Insight, there's none of those things. So anybody who stands up and says, hey, I'm having some problems seeing or my parent or my grandparent, husband, wife, uh, is having troubles uh, seeing we're able to provide services to those folks. Um, so there are no income guidelines, no acuity guidelines, and we serve people of any age. So we do have a pediatric low vision clinic where we have kids as young as six months old who come in for low vision evaluations. But most vision loss is age-related, unfortunately. So as we get older, um, I like to think of it like a car. As our car gets older, all the parts start to go and need to be replaced. Unfortunately, it's the same as we get older um, and our eyes are one of those things um, that can uh, begin to give us trouble as we get older. And so most of the folks that we work with 
are over the age of 70. And so they've had vision for most of their life and then in their later years have developed, could be macular degeneration, glaucoma, diabetic retinopathy, retinitis pigmentosa, lots of other things that could cause uh, some vision loss. And so we're here to help uh, to get them through that um, diagnosis, but more importantly, to help them uh, put the tools and resources in place um, so that they can do all the things that they would do if they didn't have a visual impairment. So when you say that you can help people, what kind of services and help can you provide? So I think a lot of it is, um, I like to think about the way we help people is helping them put together what I call a low vision toolbox. So you kind of think about your toolbox at home. You have tools that you use all the time, the hammer, the screwdriver, the wrench, tools that you maybe only use once in a while, the tape measure, the level. And then I don't know about you, but I have tools in my toolbox. I have no idea what they are. I've inherited them. I bought them for a single reason and you know, they went in the toolbox 20 years ago, and now I have no idea what it does. So the Low Vision Toolbox is somewhat like that, in that it is a collection of people, information, resources, strategies, um, services that we can use when we uh, get into a, a situation where we need some help. And, you know, uh, we don't have our vision to help us with that situation. So one of the primary things that we do that I think is a good first step for everyone, and I think this goes for any uh, issue that people are trying to deal with, is we help people build their support network. It's very hard uh, when you are diagnosed with a visual impairment, living with a visual impairment, to figure all these things out on your own. And so um, having a good eye doctor is part of that support network. The staff here at Insight can be part of that support network, friends, family, caregivers. And I think most importantly, other people who are living with a visual impairment. You know, I know I go to executive director conferences all the time, and they're great because I get to share my experiences, my problems, to vent to people who know exactly what I'm talking about, who you know, walk in the, the same path that I am, so they can offer really good advice, or at the very least say, yeah, I know how you're feeling. Yeah, I'm going through that too. And that helps to make, make you feel a little bit better. So we do a lot of programs that allow people to meet other people with visual impairments and learn from other people with visual impairments. We do support groups all around the state. We have a weekly yoga program, a book club. Uh, we do craft workshops, ceramics workshops, recreational day trips, so lots of things where people have the opportunity to get together, meet other folks, family members, get to meet other family members and provide that here. That's one of the key tools a lot of the other tools are around magnification, how you make things bigger, uh, glare control, so managing the amount of glare that can make your vision loss even worse, more pronounced. Uh, contrast, how you can develop contrast in your home, independent living skills, learning how to use your other senses, transportation options. I think that's one of the biggest things that we deal with because most mm -hmm. of our folks, unfortunately, have had to give up driving um, as they've lost their vision. And driving really is tied to our sense of independence. It's when we are no longer able to drive, we feel a lot less independent and a lot more isolated. Unfortunately, um, you know, one of my pet peeves is that Rhode Island is a small state in the country, yet we still haven't figured out how to provide everybody with the transportation they need when they want it. It shouldn't be as hard as it is, but there are transportation options available. So we help people understand what those transportation options are and how to access them to get to 
uh, the store, to get to the medical appointments, to get to the places that they would normally drive to. And then I think the biggest thing that we've been helping with uh, over the last 10 years, especially, is assistive technology. Learning how to use your computer, your smartphone, your tablet, um, especially now with artificial intelligence, how to be able to use those technologies to be able to do uh, daily daily living tasks. Um, so being able to read your mail, being able to read street signs, being able to cross the street, being able to navigate um, uh, throughout the community. Um, there's a ton of technology. I don't even understand it all. It's available. Um, so you can imagine when people are older um, and, you know, my kids, you know, it's like they were born with a smartphone in their hands. So, but for, for those of us who are a little bit older, it's a lot harder to adapt to the technology and understand the technology and so to help people, you know, learn about the technology that's available, show them how to use it um, in real life, daily living situations. And all of those things combined help people to be more independent. And that's really when people find out that they have a visual impairment, that's the one big fear that they have. I'm going to lose my independence. And we are here to show people how they can maintain their independence. That is a lot of yes. things that insight <laughs> can do. Holy cannoli, that's wonderful. And yeah, transportation, I think globally is a, a significant challenge in this state and could definitely use um, a lot more advocacy around transportation for all of us. Yeah, I mean, I do tell people, you know, my kids are 12 and eight, so I think probably in their lifetime, it's going to be like the Jetsons where you get into a vehicle and you say, take me to Insight and the vehicle just drives itself and you sit back and take a nap or or read or do, you know, do something um, because the, the vehicles drive themselves. I, I do think in their lifetime, probably those will exist and that will take care of the transportation problem. But for right now, um, it's limited, and it's really limited by where you live in the state. And so somebody in, in Providence has a lot more options than somebody in Foster. And so we work with people to kind of figure out in your community, what are the things that are available? What are the places that you're trying to access? What is the cheapest, safest, easiest way um, for you to get there so that you're not always relying on friends and family? You know to take you places um, so we talk about the rip to ride program the flex bus service fixed bus routes um, the non-emergency medical transportation transportation that's available through senior centers um, and municipalities uh, ride share services taxi services lots of different things for different for different purposes but none of them as good as being able to reach in your pocket grab your keys and and, and take off in your car so well, that that's true um but still it's it's good to have those resources available as a one-stop you know give insight a call and if somebody were to reach out for your services what is the phone number that they need to call it is 401-941-3322 so that's our phone number our website is in-site.org in-site.org and uh, right on the homepage of our website, it says living with a vision loss, we can help learn how. And you press that button and there's actually a huge drop down of, of, uh, of all the different links to web pages and information. We've tried to make it very intuitive. So it starts out talking about kind of those support networks, transportation options, assistive technology, independent living skills. So, you know, folks can kind of scroll through that and see you know, what would be the most pressing issue for them right now. And that's what we'll address first. And then 
as time goes on, we'll work on some of those other issues. And so what when you have the book clubs and you have yoga and those different types of activities, are they held at your site or is there an option for people to participate virtually? How do those work? Sure. With yoga, it's here in person. Um, during COVID, we actually did do virtual yoga <laughs> <laughs> on Zoom, which was interesting. But since we're past COVID for the moment, at least, we're doing yoga back in person. Uh, but our book club is uh, in person or by Zoom. So we have a big a room with a really big TV. So we have folks who Zoom in who you know, are on the screen. And then we have people who are live in the room so people can really pick which option works best for them. We do try to offer some of our workshops and programs via Zoom as well. Again, knowing that for all of our folks, transportation is an issue. Um, so it may not always be easy and convenient for people to get to us. You know, we try as much as possible to offer a variety so that folks can still participate even if they can't get here in person. And we do do some services, uh, individual training where we can go out to people's homes. And because um, obviously everybody's kitchen is a little bit different. Everybody's living situation is a little different. So we can talk in theory about how to use your microwave when you can't see it. But it's better if we can go out to your home and show you how to use your microwave in your home, um, you know, without being able to see it. So we can do some of those uh, things as well. And so for the ability to have someone come out to your house, you know, say maybe you've had a brain injury, a stroke, something along those lines, and your vision has been impacted. Can someone come out and say, help educate you on how to safely use the stove or figure out the microwave buttons, that kind of thing? Can they come out and do that? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And as I said, it's we, we do that. We can do that here and we do do small group workshops and individual training where people come in and learn those skills. Uh, but it's also important that um, we go out to people's homes and again, adapt it to their particular kitchen, their particular equipment. Um, or sometimes people just can't get here. Um, so I mentioned, you know, the people in Westerly, the people in Foster Gloucester, where there isn't a lot of public transportation available. Um, it's sometimes better for us to go down to them be able to provide these services. Absolutely. It, it sounds like there's so much. And I think there are many different assumptions and stereotypes about individuals who are blind. And I think when you say that offering a yoga class to individuals with visual impairment on Zoom, I don't think that that's necessarily a lot of things. Uh, one of the things that a lot of people would have thought of would be even possible. What are some of the other things, maybe just three thoughts, when an individual who has sight is encountering an individual who does not have sight or has some significant visual impairments, what are three things to be aware of to do or not to do? Sure. So I think one of the misconceptions people have is that if somebody is blind, they don't see anything. So about probably only three or 4% of the people we work with have absolutely no vision, see complete oh, wow. blackness. So 95, 96% of the people we work with still have some vision. So they still can see something. Um, so that is one thing that often surprises folks. And, you know, when we do our summer camp, you know, I'll call and book activities and I'll say, I'm coming with a group of 20 kids who are blind and visually impaired. Um, and when we get there, people will say to me, well, I thought you said that they were blind. Well, they are. Well, yeah, but they're moving around, they're walking, they're doing things. <laughs> yeah, because they can still see 
some things, but they see 10% of what a normal person would see or 20% of what a normal person would see, or there's a big black spot in the middle of their vision. They can see everything around the spot, but not the spot. Some people have tunnel vision, so they can see what's right in front of them, but have no peripheral vision. So it's really uh, different for everybody. But I think that's one thing to, to keep in mind. Um, I think the other thing is to be yourself. You know, we encounter people, we think we encounter people who are visually impaired so infrequently that when we do, sometimes we don't know how to act. And so I've been in restaurants with friends of mine who are visually impaired and blind, and the waitress will ask me what, what the other person wants for dinner. Or they'll, they'll raise their voice, assuming that if you're blind, you're also hard of hearing. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, or people will become very embarrassed, you know, or someone who's blind or visually impaired will say, you know, can you direct me to the bathroom? And the person will say, well, it's over there. And kind of yeah. point where the bathrooms are. And they'll say, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. So, you know, it's really just being yourself and treating people with a visual impairment the way you would treat anybody else. And um, also, um, you know, I think the third important thing is to ask if you can be helpful before you step in to start providing assistance. You know, so if you see somebody who's visually impaired and blind, you think they may be disoriented, you know, they don't may not know exactly where they're going or where something is or um, is having some kind of trouble. It's great to ask, you know, is there something that I can help you with? Do you need some help um, before you step in and start dragging them across the street, assuming they were driving across the street or or those kinds of things. I think those are three really good ones to start with. We actually have a list on our website of 10 things to know when you meet somebody who's visually impaired, and it kind of has those three things plus plus a few more that are that are great to take a look at. Very good. Now, for insight, they can come to the Jefferson Boulevard address. What yep. was the address on Jefferson again? We're at uh, 43 Jefferson Boulevard. So we're right off the highway. In Rhode Island terms, we're across the street from where Bugaboo Creek Steakhouse used to be. So we're right at the beginning where the where the off and on ramps to 95 are. Okay. So you can come to the center and your center is open usually Monday through Friday. What yeah, time? We're, we're Monday through Friday, 8 to 4. Um, okay. It's good for folks to call and make an appointment um, so that we can understand their needs you know, make sure that the right staff is here to provide the right programs. Uh, we also do lots of small group workshops and support groups, um, not only here at Insight, but around the state. So we go, we travel to different senior centers around the state um, on a monthly basis and do support group meetings and uh, a program we call Understanding Vision Loss, which kind of talks about the vision loss process and the emotional side of it and the programs and services that are available, not only through Insight, but through other agencies in the state. Um, so on our website, again, there's a calendar uh, that has all of those events, all of those classes, all of those workshops. So that's a great resource for people to check in and see uh, what it is that's going on over the next couple of months. Very cool. Very cool. So people can sign up. They can give you a call at the 401-941-3322. They can go to the website at in-site.org. Um, give you a call, stop by, go online. Now, is Insight of a, a 501c3 nonprofit or are you a state agency? How does that work? Yeah, we are a standalone private 501c3 nonprofit. Uh, we're actually gonna be celebrating our 100th anniversary in 2025. We were founded in 1925. Um, so we are a nonprofit agency. Uh, we rely on like most nonprofits, donations, grants, um, 
to make our work possible. Um, there's certainly lots of information on our website and a big donate button where people can make gifts. Um, there is an agency called Rhode Island State Services for the Blind. So very often people get the two of us confused. We are a nonprofit. State Services for the Blind is a government agency. So that's part of the Department of Human Services. They also do incredible work and we often cross-refer people. So people, we refer people to state services, state services refers people here. There's a third uh, major program called Talking Books, which are the folks that provide, it used to be books on tape, now it's books on digital cartridges. Um, wow. That's through the National Library Service. If somebody is living with a visual impairment, um, they qualify to get a free uh, machine. It looks like an old school tape recorder. You get the digital cartridges in the mail that have books and magazines on them. You stick them in the player. You listen to the book or magazine. You put it back in the mail. They send you more. Um, so very often we get credit for the Talking Books program. That is a separate uh, government agency through the National Library Service. There is a, a couple of librarians who work here in Providence. And so those are the folks that people in Rhode Island interact with. Um, but that is also a great program. And we very often refer people to them and help get them registered for that program. Wow. You you do a lot of amazing things there. And just a little fun fact, uh, probably close to 15, 20 years ago, I used to be a volunteer for Insight and be one of the Sunday morning Projo readers. Okay. Yeah. On Insight Radio. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. Is there, is that still going on? Unfortunately, Insight Radio, uh, we, we shut down at the end of last year, um, mostly because, um, you know, Insight Radio was really about reading newspapers um, to people so they could access newspapers. And as newspapers have diminished over the last 10 years, we had less and less content to be able to read. Um, so the journal that used to take us three or four hours a morning to read all of a sudden only took 45 minutes to read. Yep. Um, so that was hard. And with the advances in technology and people feeling more comfortable with technology, we just found that people were getting their news and information through other sources other than newspapers. And they could use the technology to bring the Providence Journal up on their iPad and have it read to them, you know, at their convenience rather than having to, you know, click on Insight Radio at a particular time to, to hear what it is they wanted to read. But that was a program that we ran for almost 40 years. That was a huge service, you know, at a time when there wasn't a lot of technology and we got most of our news and information from newspapers. It was a critical link for people to stay engaged with the community. And you know, like most things, as technology has changed, we've had to, to change with it. But. Yeah, but it, it sounds like it's the Insight Radio is not there because technology has actually enabled greater access to everyone all the time, everywhere. Yeah, we almost have access to too much news sometimes. <laughs> it's a little overwhelming between the radio I hear and the radio. Oh, yeah. The internet, yeah. Well, Chris, with everything you have going on, I am really grateful that you were able to take the time to come on today. It This has been great because you guys have an amazing program. And I, I didn't realize how many different services Insight offered to the public and that they're free. Yes, absolutely. We charge the uh, our low vision clinic where we kind of evaluate people for magnification, lighting, and glare control. That program, um, 
does have a fee, but it's covered by health insurance. So if you have a copay on your health insurance, you have to pay the copay. But other than that, just about everything we do is done at no cost to uh, clients. It's all, as I said, donor funded. So we really, like you folks, we rely on the generosity of the community to make all the other services available to folks. That is awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Folks, Insight for the Blind really does a lot of amazing, positive work. It doesn't matter what your age is. If you have some difficulty with your vision, your low vision, you're blind, whether you were born that way or it has come on uh, with age, please reach out to them. They really do a lot of cool stuff and help foster independence and empower the ability to stay uh as independent as possible. So reach out to Insight, really great organization, really nice people to talk to, to work with. It is uh, really amazing, right on Jefferson Boulevard in Warwick. So I look forward to seeing you all again next week. In the meantime, be well and be kind. If you like this video, please follow us on social media and subscribe on YouTube. For more information, visit rielderinfo.com or call 401-585-0509. If you have any questions, email deb at rielderinfo.com.